we're back. Um, guys, I want to say something before before we get too into this. Uh, I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not at all. I just wanted I just wanted you to know that before before things get out of hand and maybe this relationship falls apart. I feel like I've heard that before. That sounds familiar. It it was it in the movie we just watched? I think it was. I think I think it was. And we're doing ten that we just did ten things I hate about you if you didn't get the the intro cue. So ten things I hate about you. Heath Ledger's coming out party, if you will, which is part of the reason we chose this, but the wheel chooses. Um, we've been doing a random spinning wheel with a lot of movies on it, and the wheel chose this movie, and we hit the ground running with it. I think it was. I think we all needed this movie, probably. You know, looking at Max's face and his headband, I think he really needed this right now. I didn't so, know, like, but it, it it definitely told me I needed it after we watched it. And and Max and I are both trying to channel our inner Heath Ledger in yeah, 10 dude. Things I Hate About You. Seriously, are you wearing a bun right now? I'm not, but I, I do have the flow going. Yeah. A few yeah. cur- curls here and there. So Just so damn charming. I can't get over it. Thank you. If you, if you haven't realized from this witty banter, my co-host Max Boyum and Mason Ford are back. And like I said, we're doing 10 Things I Hate About You. It came out in 1999. It had a budget of $16 million, which was actually really shocking. I thought they would have spent more money on this. And it made $53 million at the box office. So they almost tripled their money. Good stuff. Wait, they did triple their money. I'm bad at math. They over tripled their money. Sweet. Uh, 10 Things I Hate About You. Plot. Classic high school movie. Kids new at school. Immediately shown the ropes by nerd. Falls in love with a girl. Everyone loves this girl for some reason. And then, you know, the movie's navigating this world of how does he get the girl while getting her sister a boyfriend? So, Max, I want to let you cook a little bit. Just Heath Ledger. Just that's the prompt. Go. Yeah. Like you said, it's his coming out party. Uh, There's just something about how charming and funny he is. Uh, It's a little early to be self-promoting already, but my review structure, and I'll kind of refer back to it several times, but my review structure is 10 things I love about this movie. So, you know, nice. It's, it's fine. It's whatever. Creative, clap, clap, clap. creative juices were flowing, but uh, in <laughs> no particular order. One of my reasons why I love this movie is I pointing out that there's nothing more charming than 19 year old Heath Ledger. Um, you give that guy a marching band. I mean, ju- it's just game over. Also, again, the fact that he was 19 when he was like, when he was filming this movie, um, I think it is just a, a, a really good thing to look back on and obviously in remembrance of his life. And I mean, just kind of a, like I, th- I found myself thinking that whole time, like, man, just uh, another one gone too soon. And in, in, in my research found that he beat out Ashton Kutcher for the role. Yeah. Uh, which is, which is really, you know, that bullet big, dodged Hollywood. Right. So it's a big deal. I mean, he's incredible. They did a great job casting top to bottom, and the writing is impeccable. Every every sentence matters. Every line is delivered perfectly. There's a ton of improvisation, and it's they chose they chose to keep certain improvisations in, which is really important. And uh, this is the most researched movie I've done as far as podcasting goes so uh, i'm excited about this one he's coming in with a look at the big brain on mason i love it arizona state grad you know so number one (laughs) in innovation if you hadn't heard gotta live up to my reputation it makes me sad to see heath ledger uh heath ledger went out doing one of the best performances i think and it in the dark night as joker and I just think of all the things, a lot of the time, if I see a new movie come out with a leading guy, I always think of what, what would Heath Ledger have done, especially with these Christopher Nolan movies and all the cool things he could have done if he was in, like him as the lead in Inception is a really cool thing to think about. And uh, I just think gone way too soon. And to see this movie, as Max stated at 19 years old, he's already, he's carrying a movie. And then in 2000, he's leads one of my favorite movies, a knight's tale. And that's the first time he's given 
just a movie and said, hey, Heath, open the movie, and he kills it, and that sets off a career of – he makes a lot of really interesting choices um, with his career. He kind of does Brokeback Mountain, and he does The Brothers Grimm. He kind of zigs and zags a lot. Mason, could you tell in this movie that this guy – can you just tell if this was 1999, would you see this and be like, Heath Ledger's the dude. I don't care that he's not the, the star, but he's the guy. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things I thought of while I was rewatching this was he's a, a burning star. He's not just a star. He's a burning f- star ready to go because he, he just delivers everything perfectly. He plays that character perfectly. You can tell he's all in on it. Like he, he plays the role of the bad boy so well. And he plays it seamlessly where you feel like that could be his regular personality. <laughs> like if you met him, he could on just street, be a crazy dick that smokes cigs and has this. Exactly. Name. Like would blow smoke in your face. <laughs> if, if you saw him, that's how well he played it. Max, where does this rank on the hierarchy of Heath Ledger performances for you? Uh, is this top tier? Is this middle t- top, middle, bottom tier? You know, where, where is it put stack? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, I don't know if we would all agree, but I would say that top of the pyramid for Heath Ledger, in my opinion, is The Dark Knight. And and I think part of that is the context of knowing, you know, kind of how that was his, like, magnum opus, right? Like, that was the thing that he did right before he died. And so I think that the context matters, and that's why that's at the top. But I also think the context here matters, too, that, I mean, he's 19 years old, he's leading this movie. He isn't really supposed to be the main character, which kind of confused me when I first watched this however long ago um because obviously it comes off right away as like cameron as joseph gordon, joseph gordon lovett as the main character and then you eventually like kind of lose focus on them and start focusing on heath uh and, and like his character arc um so i mean i would again using context and a little bit of nuance in that conversation i would probably put this in the like my second favorite heath ledger movie Mason, that's I want to pivot off what Max said there because that's a really interesting point. There's multiple protagonists with only the antagonist is fairly clear. It's that Joey Donner kid. He's an underwear model. He's a fucking prick. But to you, who's the protagonist or what group of protagonists? Because there's kind of people moving pods in this movie. So I'd say protagonists or group of protagonists for you. Yeah, I think I think even the the movie poster is interesting. They, if, if we pull it up, you have, you know, three different sets of people. So you have uh, Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger. You also have Joseph Gordon-Levitt and um, Bianca is the character within the movie, but I can't remember her name. And then you also have Michael and uh, Julia Stiles' best girlfriend. So it's kind of like this weird even on the movie poster, it felt like they didn't quite get it right. <laughs> like the characters that are carrying the most weight here and even where they're positioned. I, I want to pull up a picture. It might take some time, but you can see those three groups of people and you're just like, I don't even know if they're in the right order or positioned in the poster the way they're supposed to. But as far as that goes, I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt serves as I, I think he serves as the setup for Heath Ledger really being the, you know, Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles characters being the main story. Um, I think it's just a different approach to storytelling as far as you start out with him and he's, he's leading everything up to this. And obviously I don't know how in depth we'll get on the allusions to Taming of the Shrew and uh, the Shakespeare references obviously are, are really important, but, but, you know, the, the same way they tell that story of like, here, here are characters that are involved, but here's the main story that's actually going on. Hey Max, you ever heard of this guy named Shakespeare, little guy named Bill Shakespeare? You ever heard of him? His friends call him Bill. You can't call him Bill. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> William, have you ever heard of him, Max? William Shakespeare? Cause Mason's I, dropping, dropping some deep saying, dives. Jeez. English major down there at ASU. At, yeah, as mentioned, the top tier university, um, the Harvard of the South, as they say. <laughs> the uh, like um, being the tallest midget. Yeah, it's it's really it's really great education, but uh, I think the the 
I have no clue what I was going to say, so go ahead. I wanted to ask Max. So, Joey, like I said, Joey's the antagonist. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I agree with Mason. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's meant to navigate you through this world because as the new, it's a, it's a pretty clever plot device of being, yeah. hey, we have a new kid. We'll explain to him everything in the first five minutes. That way the audience already knows. Because the movie, it starts, he's in his principal's office right, who writes erotica, which is objectively hilarious. <laughs> and awesome. uh, But Joseph Gordon-Levitt's the tool, I think. And I think he was meant to be the protagonist, but it, Heath Ledger is just so charismatic that it kind of gets away from him. But what, do, what are your thoughts on Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this movie as both his character and his performance, Max? Yeah, I mean, I think he, he sets the whole thing in motion, right? Like, he wants to date Bianca. And so he creates this ploy uh, as the new kid on the block who joins up with this guy who gets kicked out for not having the right brand of, um, oh shit, what's like that Old Navy type brand that he got kicked Is out of that? Skechers? Group? No, it's like... Uh, I thought it's Skechers. Wasn't it Skechers, Mace? No, the, gir- the girls reference Skechers. Um, yeah. I can't remember. Maybe it's Polo. I, I can't remember what it was. I, I'm so, glad we're doing this. We're going to leave this in because you need to do this research. The people care. This isn't great. But but he gets kicked out of the group. He's obviously like this dork. He gets kicked out of like the cool nerd group, I guess is the best way to put it. Like the top nerd group. Oh. The, the Ivy League. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they they yeah. all have the Ivy Leagues and and he said he's like as they're going around he's like pointing out these different groups so he's like you know explaining those are the jocks you know these are the ones that uh the, the these are the guys like the horse guys like the big belt buckle the, guys the cowboy click there's Yeah. I've yeah. never seen a click like that and that is beautiful. I love that. You obviously didn't grow up in South Dakota. Yeah, that's true. You guys probably had a cowboy click. Bro, we to go visit. We were the cowboy quick, bro. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I just think that he acts as like the like the epitome of the protagonist in that he sets the whole thing in motion where you know it's not necessarily all about him, but he pushes the plot. I mean that that's the beautiful thing. Another thing that I love about this movie is that it's 90 minutes long. Again, short movies for boy movies let's go keep them coming baby so (laughs) i just think it's kind of fun that he he acts as like the protagonist where he starts this whole thing um but at the same time it's not really about him but he ends up like also winning in the end i i I don't know i just think that it's 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 a really nice way of like kicking the story off taking the audience through pretty much what's going to happen from the beginning and then saying all right you got the structure like Let's move on to what we're actually here for, like the main event. Mason, who do you think wins bigger, Joseph Gordon-Levitt or Heath Ledger? Because they both win, but who do you think will win is who do you think win more earned, or which one's like bigger for you for the audience? Joseph Gordon-Levitt for sure. He's got way more. He's got way more chips on the table than than anybody else. He has no. He has no right to even be in the game, to be honest. And so the fact that he wins out the way he does is, is tremendous in its own right. I, I think Heath Ledger kind of gets away with, you know, buying a guitar and calling it good. Um, you know, he wants to be in a band. Don't belittle. That's a thoughtful gift. Yeah. But he also, he also took money to take her on the date. You know, it's, it's a hard thing to come back. That's a hard thing to come back from. So to, to answer your question, Joseph Gordon-Levitt wins out big here. Uh, he's the new kid. He just got with the 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 most popular, most adored girl at school. You know, he all odds were against him. So I, I'm gonna say he wins out big. A close second is Michael. Uh, Michael is the nerdy friend that leads leads the way here. He wasn't expected to do anything. He wasn't supposed to. He was just supposed to lead the way, but he really went above and beyond and got a prom date and he did this thing too. And if you think about it, he started at the bottom. He gets kicked out for having, having bought his IZODs at an outlet mall. Oh, he figured it out. Nice. (laughs) Okay. Nice. Good. I'm glad you finally, that's that paid off. That was a huge payoff. Yeah. yeah, That was was super worth it. Yeah. 
Uh, because that's like rags to riches, baby. Like he gets kicked out of his group. He says, yesterday I was their God. And then he gets kicked <laughs> out of the group. And then in the end, he, he gets the girl. He, he like totally geeks out with a girl over Shakespeare and dresses up in like Shakespearean period clothes and at the prom. And it's just, it's, it's, it's really great. He might be the actual winner of this movie. Since we're uh, dropping literary references and I want to shout out the Harvard of the Midwest, uh, Augustana. Uh, Michael's like Virgil in Dante's I, I, I Inferno. Was... <laughs> yeah, okay, because Sorry, he's leading the... him through hell that is high school. That's my reference. Wow. Wow. Yeah. wow. Thank you. Um, I, that's a little deeper dive than than Taming the Shrew, but I don't I don't know. You tell me which is the more impre- impressive literary reference. I do, I do want to say that William Shakespeare was credited Bill. as a writer. Yeah, Bill, uh, by your account was credited as a writer on IMDb on this movie. Fun that's fact. Crazy. That's awesome. I that's that's kind of silly. I don't I don't really like that. I don't appreciate <laughs> that. But I want to litigate something with you guys. And this is kind of a hot take. Bianca. Eh. She's just really why is everyone obsessed with this girl? I I just I don't get it. I couldn't agree more, man. Yeah, Max took a little bit. Tell me, tell me why Bianca sucks. Give me, give me your best case. Joseph Gordon-Levitt points it out, dude. He like talked himself out of it for like a second, and then she pulled in the car. Right back in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just when like, I think she's have- out, she brings me right back in. Right back in, baby. And he's just such a sucker. Like he could do better, in my opinion. She just seems shallow, and I mean, I think she does learn her lesson, in her opinion. And I'm not going to be the one to ever say that you can't you know, eventually learn, but I don't know. I think she plays him like a fiddle in the beginning. And then when she realizes she can't get like what she wants, she's like, well, I guess I'll settle for Cameron here. And then it's kind of cute. Cause then after that, they start learning French together. And she's like, why haven't you asked me, asked me out yet? And I mean, it ends up working out, but yeah, I'm definitely not team Bianca from the beginning. Mason, who would you rather be with? Which sister would you rather be with Julia Stiles or Bianca? You got to choose one. Yeah. Don't even get me started on how much I love Julia Stiles. A cook, baby cook. There's, and I, I felt a lot of similarities in this movie to Scott Pilgrim with the, yes. the love interest. Obviously, look at you referencing former pods. Go check that one out if you haven't listened. If you, but if you haven't, if you haven't given that one a listen, you probably should because <laughs> I think, I think it's. Bro, just being at a a rock show, or I don't even know a There's feminist, a fe- all girl feminist <laughs> rock show. There's yeah, there's something wrong with me mostly. Um, but I would, I think there's just something about it that's like you're doing your own thing, you're independent, you don't care about anything else that's going on. I think that's uh, the most attractive thing. Obviously, she's well educated. She's uh, really in her own beliefs and those kinds of things. So um, yeah, it's, it's not even close, you know, I, I completely Julia Stiles. I'm a sucker for mid 2000s Avril Lavigne as anyone that knows me well knows this and just kind of that teenage angst. She's just fucking pissed at everything. She's at the, she's at the feminist rock band. She doesn't want to hear your bullshit when Heath Ledger is trying to hit on her at first. She's just, She's just building the Great Wall of China. He's not getting over that. But slowly but surely, he uses the information that Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Nerd Michael kind of are feeding him. And Heath Ledger has the charisma to utilize this information, which is really important because Heath Ledger is given, he's given the tools. He's given the roadmap, but he knows how to drive the car. You know, he is, he's doing a good job of winning her over. And I'd pick Heath too. And I think one of the fun, most underratedly funny scenes in the movie is when she tries to kiss Heath and he's like, eh, like she's drunk and he, he turns her away. And I think honestly, that might've been the best thing for him ending up with her at the end because she knows that he's not going to take advantage of her. She can trust him. Heath, Heath Ledger, weirdly good, bad guy. Absolutely. He's not show. I mean, he's not. I mean, that's kind of what you figure out is like all of his like bad guy lore is just that. It's just made up. Like 
he, he denies everything, all of the rumors about him, about eating a duck and being in prison and being in porn. Like you find out that that's all just made up. Like he just has this like rough exterior, but on the inside, he's a soft little Tootsie Roll. Amen. Man. We'll go, man. <laughs> I, well, I was, I was going to ask you guys because I felt this was really important. Who were some of your, or maybe one of your favorite characters because I have a couple in mind and they are not main characters by any means. And I think they really added to the enjoyment of the, the entire movie. Hey Mace, let me do quick. I'm going to change host quick on this uh, zoom thing. That way you can be the host quick. And Max, what do I push to do that? Cause I think we just changed. I think we just changed hosts up. That's a good question. I, I thought it was just more free form kind of thing, but I don't know. No, it's, it's fine. You can ask questions on this. I guess that's fine. I'm not not mad about it. Uh, I mean, I'm just such a sucker for for Heath Ledger that it's hard for me to to look anywhere else. I think underrated characters, dad. I think the dad's really funny. I think yes. he does a really good job of just playing that. You're not. He makes the daughters put on the pregnancy <laughs> belt throughout the movie to like imagine carrying this around. I think that's really amazing, and I, I think Joey's a good villain. I think he plays a good dick. I believe there's a guy that we went to high school with that Max does a really good impression of his laugh. He reminds me so much of this guy, Max. And you know, doesn't he remind you of Joey Donner? It's uncanny. So those are... That's incredible. To shout out to all my OG 2014 guys, you'll get the reference. But those are kind of my two guys that I think you always need a good villain in these to be like, that guy's a dick. I don't want him to win any of the girls. And you give me a funny dad with funny single dad with two daughters. I'll, I'll give you comedic dynamite, but I'll let Max go. Yeah, I have three. I'm going to piggyback on Chris's with the dad. Um, The only thing like that kind of left me thinking a little bit more after this movie is like, what kind of like absolute traumatic event happened to him where he is this protective over his daughters? Like who hurt you? Who hurt you, Mr. Stratford? My God. Um, so yeah, I think that that's like a solid thing to explore. Um, I have two other like not surface characters and not like main characters I really liked. Um, the teacher, Mr. Morgan, is like super woke. His one-liners are hilarious. He doesn't have that much screen time, but he absolutely roasts everybody when he's do- when he's like has any instance of the limelight. Um, and he just like like one of the best lines is when he's giving Kat a hard time and he says, but the next time you storm around the PTA crusading for better lunch meat or whatever you white girls complain about, ask them why they can't buy a book written by a black man. And it's just like, again, it's 1999, super funny, like relevant. And I think that that line and that character ages really well in 2021. Um, And then the other one that I really like, and I don't exactly know why, but Bogey Lowenstein um, is in it for like, Probably that's the kid that, that has the party. That's the kid that they have the party at his house, right? Yeah, he's like the golf kid. He's like he's in the NBA group that that uh, Michael gets kicked out of, and in the beginning, he like hits a golf ball and it doinks that coach in the head. And when they're at the house, and he's like, they, they hear the door, and he's like, "Oh, that must be Nigel with the brie," <laughs> and he like gets up to go grab it, and like everyone just rages in for one of the probably the best house parties in their high school experience. Um, I just think he's a very underrated character. And I mean, just the guy, the actor's name is Kyle Cease. He was in a few other movies, but like that, him, him to me, very underrated performance and really, again, pound for pound, really just knocks it out of the park every time he's on the screen. Yeah. I felt like there was a ton of minor characters that really added to the entire movie. Uh, The point of me asking the question was obviously, so I can say say the two characters that i really enjoyed mr Morgan. i thought you just wanted to be the host of sharp takes i thought you wanted to be four takes but no that that's more of like a long-term kind of thing but um, (laughs) the uh the the two characters that i really enjoyed mr morgan like you said every line is spot on everything is funny it's it's so good i would love to have him as an english teacher i wanted him to have more screen time for sure and then my other one that i really loved was michael like throughout the entire thing uh he every line hit similar to what we said on scott pilgrim of you know a a character that isn't the main character that's just adds to what they're doing and so 
um, I, I love the first line where Joseph Gordon-Levitt is like, yeah, they usually just have some AV nerd like bring you around. And he's like, he's like, yeah, that would suck or whatever he says. And he like shoes off the AV guy. Yeah. It's, so, it's so good. And he just plays his role perfectly. He's there to support the whole time. He's like obviously a good friend. And um, I, I love every every part about that. Okay, I'm gonna be the captain again for a little bit. If yeah, go, I have no, Mason's go ahead. Permission. Take over. It's it's okay. more your thing than it is mine, you know. So go ahead. And I ironically have a question for Mason first, and then I'll I'll check it to Max. Uh, music in this movie. Just talk to me about what your favorite songs are, what your favorite use of music and scenes are. Just kind of, <laughs> I'm just giving you the general music. Go. Yeah, I think this is a movie where I didn't there were a lot of songs that I didn't know, uh, but they still do a really good job. The, the tone is right. The mood is right. So maybe it's not a song that I really know well, or is super popular or, you know, maybe it was at the time, but I just don't know it, but they do a really good job. I think the opening scene is bare naked ladies, which is awesome. That's how, how could you not have you a can't go wrong and, and start with that song, you know? And so, and then at the end, I want you to want me. Uh, I love, yeah, and the uh, the band that does it, I love their version of it. Yeah, and it's very teenage like, angsty. Yeah, I feel like I've known, you know, uh, probably watching this movie growing up, I feel like I knew that version more than I knew the Cheap Trick version even. So I've really loved that version of of the song. And I think, yeah, like I said, every every song they chose was very relevant for the time, maybe not as popular, not top charting or anything like that. I do like that they use uh, the N- Notorious B.I.G. when she's dancing on the table. That's obviously an important scene as well. So I think they did a really good job with it overall. Max, thoughts on music? Yeah, uh, my only thing that I have on this, because I agree pretty much wholeheartedly with everything that Mason said is that I think the music kind of saves this movie in a way. So like the end, so this whole time, right? You're, you're convinced that Kat is this strong feminist intellectual who doesn't like fall into the mold of the stereotypical like high school girl, but also like the whole movie is kind of like pinned as this, this isn't going to be your normal like teenage rom-com kind of thing. And in the end, he buys a guitar and then everything's fine. There's like, and, and they, they kind of try to play it off where they're like, you know, you can't buy me a guitar every time you mess up. And then he makes a joke like, well, you know, that I could get you some drums and a bass. And it's like, that's kind of dumb. I don't know. It just seems a little rushed and a little like they close the book too fast. Um, but as they fade out to, uh, in the end, like they start playing the song and Letters to Cleo is just on top of the building and they're playing I Want You to Want Me. Like that to me kind of like leaves a better taste in my mouth. It's super random. That that school is beautiful. That place where they filmed it. It's like a legitimate high school. Um, it's called Stadium High School, and it looks like Hogwarts. Um, of, it's Hogwarts like, of SoCal. Yeah, it's it, well, it's, it's Pacific Northwest. It, yeah, it's in C- or it's just south of Seattle. It's in uh, or no, it's in Tacoma, Washington. So look at you guys um, doing your research. Yeah, I, no, bro, I can't even not, handle this right now. Geez, somebody bro, turn up the heat in this pod. We're not playing around. The uh, it's it's podcast built, now is. Is built in the 1800s. It was built as a uh, as a hotel originally for the for the railway. It was then abandoned and turned into a high school. Uh, you could be totally friend. bullshitting right now, and I would I'm, have no I'm idea. being dead serious. I swear, I'm being dead serious. A ton of professional athletes uh, train at the where the football field is because of how spacious it is and its location. I did my research. Uh, um, I, I really brought it today. Clap, clap. And you are you are bringing it. Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> I don't. The only I love Biggie. I love Hypnotize. I just is that a song she's listening to at a party in 1999? Is that a song she's jumping on the table to? I don't know. Well, it it does feel a little out of place based on the rest of what was playing. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know if you noticed the scene before with Joey. They, I don't even. He's know talking about his is. underwear. He's talking about his underwear shit. Yeah, uh, they play the song from. <laughs> there's a scene in the 40 year old version where Steve Carell is like singing karaoke in his apartment, and he's like, "Got a real weird feeling." 
that's the song that's playing right before that. So I just don't know. Hey, about the pretty transition. ladies yeah, around yeah. the world. Yeah, I know what yeah. you're saying. So I just don't know if the transitions are necessarily it right. Does, it's, and it, it's the whitest high school of all time. And you're telling me that she chooses a, they, a, they play a biggie song. B, that she gets up on the table and gets drunk like that. I, I, I like that scene a little bit just in terms of that nerd's house is just getting trashed. But... <laughs> I think it's a little weird. Bianca and Joseph Gordon-Levitt are doing their song and dance. Julia Stiles is getting drunk and Heath Ledger's just trying to deal with her. There's a lot going on there. I don't know how much I like the house party scene, I guess is. Oh, I love my it. Thesis. It seems it's iconic to me. Like it, as I'm watching it today, it just made me think like, damn, I really wish we partied like that in high school. Like, we, we weren't the leaders of Weenie Hut General in high school. <laughs> we sucked. We sat in basements and drank Gatorade and had Scooby snacks. Like, <laughs> and Oboy Alberto. Don't forget the Oboy Alberto. Of course. We sucked, though. Like, if, if I went to one high school party like that in high school, I think I would have, like, peaked. Like, that would have been it. I would have needed nothing else. Because, like, it's just so perfect. Like, people show up with these huge subwoofers. They got a guy DJing. They got free beer. I, I don't know. I just think like that, that to me is iconic. I think that's one of the best parts of the movie, mostly because I have, uh, I have a crush on my boy Bogey whose house gets absolutely trashed <laughs> because of that movie or because of that party. Me and Max were such weenies in high school. <laughs> you guys weren't the, alone. The one high school party I remember even getting near was one of our friends, Chapter Megan Kunkel, friend of the program, uh, drug us to this high school party and I think Max ended up like walk. It was they had this really long driveway that led to the bottom, and uh, me and our friend Jay Niedringhaus, friend of the program, sat at the top of the driveway. And we're like, we're not going in this party, and just people watched at the top. And Max and Megan and a couple of our other friends went in this party for a little bit. Girl ends up getting alcohol poisoning. There's this huge fallout the next day, uh, but I'll never forget me and Jake just sat at the top of this driveway, just like leaning up against like. They had like one of the big mailboxes and we just were roasting the people that came in like we were the cool people. And uh, me and me and Jake were definitely the lamest people at that party. And Max is a close third for the lamest people at that party. Yeah, yeah. He makes it sound like I went in and actually participated. I just went in and just like, <laughs> beer. Whoa. So that just summarizes our high school experiment, experience a little bit for the people that want to know what O'Gorman High School in Sioux Falls, South Dakota was like. I was, like I said, you guys weren't alone. I was for sure in a, in a similar boat. If I, like, if I was there, I was observing and (laughs) I was about it. And it's, uh, you know, to Max's point, you want to be watching movies like this. You're like, I wish I had a story like that from high school. I maybe in college more so, but like in high school, it's funny to go back and tell stuff like that, you know? So I totally agree. It's cool to be weenies in high school. We turned out, yeah. We turned out yeah. all right. We I want to ask. We're on a podcast on a Thursday night, you know. So. <laughs> we we made it, guys. <laughs> Max Julia Stiles. Number one, this is a two part question. Number one, do you believe? Do you believe she's that angsty? Do you do you find her believable as this feminist angst girl? Part two of the question do you think it makes sense that her career went nowhere after the Bourne movies, basically? Uh, To answer your first question, yes, until that very last scene. I don't know. Like, I I don't know what I want. I wanted from the conclusion. You wanted her to want you. I did. That's probably what it was. I was just mostly jealous that Heath Ledger was just so goddamn charming and it's not me there. Um, so no, I, I don't believe that. I mean, I, I guess I do believe that. But at the same time, it's like kind of the same way with Heath Ledger's character where he's this like rough exterior, but then you find out he's a softie. So I feel like it's kind of the same thing for Kat and, uh, uh, you know, Julie Stiles as Kat. Um, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me that she didn't like go on to have a like a really great career. I mean, she was obviously like we've already talked about a little bit. She was young when this movie came out. I think maybe we're not giving enough credit to the Bourne series just because, I don't know. I, I feel like when I think about trilogies, and partially maybe because they've had a few couple stinkers after they did the original trilogy. But I mean, the Bourne movies weren't something to just kind of poo poo, you know, I, I she should was really unnecessary in those movies, but continue. 
Yeah, and she did go on to be in the Prince of Me, the Prince and Me, which I really liked. Just throwing that out there again, another you know early two thousands kind of romantic royal comedy uh, slash rom rom comedy. Um, but yeah, it, it is kind of a bummer that she didn't go on afterwards to like the same level as Heath Ledger, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, Gabby Union also was in this movie, which is super random, and I didn't realize that. No, don't, don't, don't you worry. We're going to get to Gabrielle Union. Save your <laughs> Gabrielle Union takes. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, yes to the first question, and I don't know to the second question. But Mason, same question to you. Um, before I go, fun fact, she landed Save the Last Dance because of the dancing on the table scene, by the way. So... No fucking way. That makes me really sad for Save the Last Dance. It's so bad. That makes me sad for her that she took that role. Well, she did win uh, the Teen Choice Award for uh, movie actress. For the yeah, the Teen Choice Award for movie actress, and she also nominated for best female performance. So I believe she beat Kirsten Dunst that year. That's what a what a class. (laughs) I feel like it's so hard because in the the industry, there's only there's only like so many people that get to go on to have those big time careers. And when you're comparing to people like Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Heath Ledger, that's, that's hard, you know, that's like hard people to compare up to because they, they landed really big roles. And uh, to Max's point, I think the, the Born series is, yeah, is something not to be just thrown to the side. Like that's, and you can, debate commercially versus versus critically of how she was reviewed but you know that's that's real money those are big time movies those are no joke that's like they don't they don't just grab people off the street and be like hey do you want to be in this movie you know what i mean so uh i I definitely want to give credit where credit's due and i feel like it's limited on how many years you have to to hit big movies like that Max, you want to talk? You want to talk, Gabby Union? I'm I'm here for you. I want you to list the teen, the teen movies that Gabby Union is in from like in 1999 through 2001. I want you to list without googling. Just stop. I see what you're doing. You can't know just off the top of your head. Name the movies even, that Gabby Union's in. There's she's even, in so many. Even further than uh 2001 though yeah or am i wrong well with her teen movies she ends up being in like bad boys too and stuff those aren't teen movies but i have i have one in mind that i don't know what year it came out so let me max get off google stop it you're looking at google i can see your screen being lit up i can see you looking away you're looking down at your screen i'm looking at the camera look into my soul look into my eye holes the only one i honestly knew was love and basketball that was it oh that's a that's a good one that's a good one that's all I got. I, but like on the second watch of this movie, I was like, holy shit, that's Gabby Union. And her name in this movie is Chastity, which is such a bummer. <laughs> like that's just, hmm. uh, that's, that's, a, that's a tough look for Gabby. But yeah, no, the only movie I know outside of this from her is, is Love and Basketball. She's in Bring It On. She's the head cheerleader of the Compton Clovers. Season She's All That in an extremely similar role with Freddie Prince Jr. She's in Love and Basketball, which if you haven't seen Love and Basketball, it's one of my favorite. I feel like people don't talk about that movie enough, but it's really, really great. And we probably need to do a pot on on that movie. This this trio would be a good good group of that. She's in 10 Things I Hate About You. And that's the only teen rom What other rom, teen movies were you thinking of? I thought Bring It On was later than that. No, yeah, but she's like this crazy two-year run where she's in every teen movie. They're like, yeah, just grab Gabby Union. She's got this. And and she's a 26th time film, 10 Things I Hate About You. So, so she's much older than the rest of the cast, and she's just still killing it. She's teen, she's teen movie like royalty. Of all the people, of yeah. the hierarchy of touching great teen movies, she's probably gotten the most if there's like the seven layers of Kevin Bacon where you can trace any movie back to Kevin Bacon, <laughs> yeah. you can trace any teen rom-com back to Gabby Union. And I just think she, I find her career fascinating and I find it fascinating that she managed to end up in all these movies, even in really minor roles when it comes to like 10 things I hate about you. And uh, she's all that. 
Max, do you know what the dad is? What else is he in? What other teen movie is he in? Um, I don't know, but I know he's super familiar. I'm gonna be really mad when you tell me what he's been in. No, uh, Mason, go. I, I, he looks super familiar too. I want to say he was on like a Nickelodeon show. I feel like he was like on all that or something, something like that. But his name's Harry Miller. I can't. You guys are adorable. He's in the Princess Diaries. He's the uh, he's the hairdresser that sells out Anne Hathaway. I wish you guys were better at what you did. I wish I had better co-hosts sometimes that just knew what Larry Larry Miller's filmography just a little bit, guys. I wish you wish you knew it a little bit. Is that it though? I feel like his voice. Yeah, there's more. That's yeah. He's definitely been in other. Yeah, I mean, he's in he's in other. He's in Max Keeble's Day Off. Oh, that. Uh, see, principle. that's probably what I. That's probably. Bro, that's I mean. a talk about a deep dive. We should do a Max Keeble's Day Off sometime because I really fuck that with would, that movie. Uh, Josh from Drake and Josh is in that movie. We. Yeah, we, I think that's what I'm thinking of when I think Max of Max Keeble's Day Off because yeah, he's trying to I, get the uh, football the stadium built or something. He's the principal. Yeah, I bet that's what I know him from. That, that's, that's cute. You had a hell of a 2001. He was in The Princess Diaries and Max Keeble in that in 2001. So good for him. Hey, I think we all, I think we all need a little bit more of Larry Miller in our life. And I know we mentioned the principal a little bit, but her writing erotica is still like, it makes me cheese so hard. Just her using the students as kind of the soundboard for her erotic novel uh that yes. stuff makes me really happy because i can't remember and what she that... what's her line where she's talking about like sausage or she's talking about something to like she's trying to describe his penis and she's like struggling and then someone says something and that gets her to it yeah yeah cat comes in and says bulging and that's what she needs like that's that's like the word that she's looking for i'm pretty sure but there you also get like the introduction of heath ledger's character when he comes into the 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 office and she's like well are we making this like a pretty regular occurrence and he's like yeah i really am enjoying this like turn down the lights like <laughs> it's just kind of funny like that's how he's introduced as yeah like this bad boy like mouthing off to the principal and to the scene that scene when you're talking about the the sausage he gets called in because he exposed himself in the lunchroom and he said i pulled a prank on the lunch lady uh he said it just chill out. It was a, it was a bratwurst. And she says, she says, uh, <laughs> she says, don't give yourself that much credit basically. And then she puts bratwurst in for, Oh, that's, that's what, that's what I was thinking. So, of. so, so, that, so they both, uh, both Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles contribute to, to her erotic novel, uh, when they come into her office. Do you guys, do you guys buy that Julia Stiles could flash a teacher <laughs> with no consequences. She literally flashes her her twins, if you will. The uh, they lay it on Milady's chest, and she flashes the teacher that's running detention. And within like what ten minutes, she's ma- I broke Max with the office reference. Clap clap clap. Milady's chest. Uh, <laughs> That's how Michael describes Jan, Jan's boobs in the office for anyone at home that's wondering what the reference was. Uh, but five minutes later, she's just with Heath Ledger having the coolest date day of all time in high school. They're paintballing. They're just in the ocean. They're out on, on the a, water, yeah. Yeah. But do we buy that Julia Stiles could flash her boobs with, with no consequences in high school? I didn't even know what boobs were in high school, and she's flashing them and going to have the coolest day of all time. No, because it's not only a teacher, but it's her soccer coach. Like she knows who this guy. Is. Like they interact daily. How the fact that he's not gonna be like, "Hey, I have to report this." Like you're, you he seems way too into that. it. It's a little uncomfortable. Yeah, there's like, yeah, it's not, it's not right. There's no way she gets away with that. Like she's in the detention class and this guy's supposed to lay down the law and he's just like, all right, head out. That's fine. Uh, That I can't buy. Max, did you buy the flash scene? No, no way. I also, the thing I appreciated about it is that when Heath Ledger's asking her how he got out of it, she's like, I just showed him my wits. Like that's, that's pretty funny. And like, I think a subtle wink 
to the audience when she says that. I just, I, it's just ludicrous to watch it and to see her just go and then have there be no consequences. I just, I'm jealous. I think I, a lot of it's probably coming from an area of jealousy that they got to have the coolest day that I'll never have in my entire life of, yeah, we're going to go paintball. They're just skipping school and having the best time. I think what I love is that everyone applauds her as she walks yes. out too. <laughs> she like totally gets congratulated for, you know, making that possible. Do we, what's our favorite part of the movie? Do we like Heath Ledger courting Julia Stiles? Are those our favorite scenes? Do we like Joseph Gordon-Levitt chasing down Bianca? Do we like where both those scenes are interacting? Maybe the final dance scene where Heath Ledger's exposed. Uh, just kind of give me give me one of your one or two of your favorite favorite things in this movie. I'll, I'll throw it to Max first, and then Mason, you can piggyback. Yeah, there's only one scene from this movie that I love and can watch on repeat over and over again. It's when Heath Ledger sings um, "Can't Take My Eyes Off You." Uh, and you're just too good to be true. Hey, can, it's so hey. cool. Can I can I pull that up? Is that cool if I yeah drop oh, yeah. it drop it right pull now that, yeah pull that, pull that up real quick. I mean keep yeah. talking about it. I'll pull it up in the meantime. Yeah. But I yeah. I, I agree. He he's trying to he's trying to win her back. He knows that she's upset, and he just like does the perfect thing where he puts himself out there, and as he's evading the police, he's like high stepping, and the marching band is in on it. And like the rest of the team is just laughing and cheering him on. And he like spanks one of the cops as he's like evading them the last time. And I don't know. I just think that that it's like a two and a half minute scene, but it's perfect. It's funny. It's, you know, he's not like the best singer, but when he gets like to the, like the main part of the song, kind of the refrain, he like, it's just, I building. love you, baby. Yeah. 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 It's, it's incredible. I, I love that scene. I can watch that on repeat. I have it ready. Uh, where Drop do you it. want me to start from? From the from start the me from the beginning. Let's watch the scene. Okay. All right. Here we go. It is your podcast, Mason. You get to choose. Yeah. Yeah. I get to do what I want here. You're just too good to be true. Can't take God, my eyes off of you. You'd be like heaven to touch. I wanna hold you so much. Why are mics a nice touch? Yeah. I long last love has arrived. Yeah, how cool is that? You're to just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. This is when I knew he's a movie star. I love it. And, you know, I watched the movie earlier today uh, in, in preparation for this, but I, I watched that scene probably 10 times just because it's funny, it's smooth, it's quick, it's, it's, it's perfect. That's my favorite scene. And it's iconic, I think. And to our conversation earlier, that adds to the music too, obviously. Yeah. That's, it's an iconic scene. And even though it may not be on the soundtrack per se, but it I would bet a lot of people, when they think of that song, they think of this movie as well. Mason, what's your favorite scenes then? 
I feel like we have the same scene. I'm curious what yours is. I'm, but, I want to hear what you say before. I'm not. I'm yeah, not. I'll, I'm the. I'm the captain. Yeah. No, you're the captain. The. Uh, it's got to be the poem. It's got to be the poem at the end. No doubt in my mind. It's not even like, close for me. It's poem it's, it's and not, then Max's scene. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. And I. I. I think it's appropriate to to pull that up next. Let me. Let me. Like, let me cook on the poem while you're while you're pulling it up. Let me get some I tissue think, while you're cooking. I just think I'm such a sucker. I'm just I'm just such a sucker for a nice nice stanza. You know, she's out there, she's rhyming. When she starts to choke up, when she's like, I hate that I don't even miss you, and her voice Julia Styles, even though the rest of her career didn't turn out, if you just were making a a pitch for her to be in any movie in all time, if you're like, Hey, um I actually have an idea for this character and goodwill hunting, I want this to be the female lead. Look what she did in this scene. Look at the range. That's the that's what I would show to every casting director that's ever existed. I think she's just just selling it all. The poem's fantastic. And Heath Ledger looking at her and Heath Ledger realizing how much he means to her. Uh I, I'm I'm all in. But I agree with Max that watching Heath Ledger cook for two minutes is is really enjoyable as well. Play 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 the goddamn scene, Mason. All right, I assume everyone has found time to complete their poem, except for Mr. Donna, who has an excuse. <laughs> Chef, lose the glasses. What happened to this guy? All right, anyone brave enough to read theirs aloud? I will. Lord, here we go. I hate the way you talk to me and the way you cut your hair. I hate the way you drive my car. I hate it when you stare. I hate your big dumb combat boots and the way you read my mind. I hate you so much it makes me sick. It even makes me rhyme. I hate it. I hate the way you're always right. I hate it when you lie. I hate it when you make me laugh. Even worse when you make me cry. I hate it when you're not around and the fact that you didn't call. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. Can we talk about Heath Ledger's pinky ring for the next 10 minutes, please? Please, God, yes. More Easily. Pinky ring. That, just, I don't... If I showed that movie to a casting even, director, you, I don't even know what to do with that. What, what do you even say? She just... The... In another... Fun I might cry. I'm, I'm really close to crying. And to add to your point about showing this to a casting director, that was improvised. Her crying was not scripted at all. She she naturally reacted. She naturally reacted. Son of a her bitch. Reading poem. And so just to add, yeah, to add on to your point of of the kind of the kind of emotion she can bring. Uh, this scene is so good and it, it doesn't matter when I'm watching it. This is something I like to watch back even by myself. And I'm just like, Oh my God, that's so good. Max, any, any thoughts on that scene versus your scene or just any, any thoughts on Julia Stiles now that we have this new information that according to Mason's research, this was improv. Well, I was going to add a little bit to the research that not only was it improv, but this was the one take they only needed to do. Yeah she nailed it on the first try and they, they didn't redo it ever because she cried and you can even hear and I think that this just makes it sound so much better she kind of like stumbles a little bit I think she says I hate it and then she said and then she like stops and she goes I hate when so like she kind of messes up but it makes it sound just so real and so much more from the heart um I love this scene too I mean I'm a sucker for I'm a sucker for a nice poem I'm a sucker for like a card I'm a sucker for just like sweet words um <laughs> And, and this, this scene does really get me. And I think that that, I don't know, it's kind of fun because like it's this scene and then it's the guitar and then it just fades out to the, the band on the roof, right? Like, like it's super quick. Kind of an issue I have with it is how quick it moves, but like you cry a little bit and then you laugh and then you leave happy with that music. I think the reason I have never had a successful relationship is because I'm waiting for a girl to read me this poem in an English class. I'm just waiting for her 
to just get up and say, Chris, you know what? I hate that I don't hate you. And I, I'm waiting for someone to go full Julia Stiles for me. And I think I might end up lonely because no woman can ever live up to this expectation of what, what Julia Stiles does for Heath. I'll get a girl a guitar. I'll get her a bass guitar. I'll get her a drum set. If I can get the same kind of happiness they have as I want you to want me plays in the background. Yeah. You got to go to more open mics. You're running out of English yeah. classes to go we're, to. We'll start taking I should go to some poetry slam. I need to, <laughs> I need to go to more of those for sure. God, she's good. I I'm glad that you guys, guys brought those facts because because that's good stuff and let's we'll just dive kind of into some final thoughts here because we're we're pushing an hour but i wanted to i want to talk about i feel like the funny high school english teacher thing has been done before but it's always kind of i feel like it's fumbled a lot i think there's two versions of high school teacher in a teen movie it's Paul Rudd and the person being a wallflower where it's like, Oh, he's really relatable and cool. And he's a rock for me. And then you have Mr. Morgan where he's really funny. And I'm wondering what you guys prefer and why you think this is so effective in this movie. I think for me, it's just, it's, pure roasting like he doesn't care he's going for it his lines are meant to be funny he's not meant to be relatable he's actually meant to be the opposite of relatable like he is a teacher that clearly doesn't want to be there for the most part like thinks the kids are annoying thinks they think they're smarter than they are uh and so and i think that's closer to like a real teacher which i think is funny for me and what does it the most I think the thing that does it for me with his character is that, and this is such a hard thing to balance because what works for him is that he, he's not integral to the plot. He's, he doesn't do anything to advance anything. He really is only there for like comedic relief and to just kind of, kind of maybe set up how each of the students are perceived. So he sets up cat as this melodramatic, you know, like kind of shitting on, um, like some of the writers that they're talking about. Um, but then it's like perfect enough where he's just in it just enough to like give us a little bit more about him. He also just doesn't look like he should be a teacher. He looks like just a little bit older than the kids. So he might not, he's like a fresh teacher. And so a little bit of a tulip explosion situation, Max. You could say that's kind of the vibe I was getting, except no way that tulip explosion would be that savage. I mean, he might be, but he was pretty savage. Yeah, I just, I, I think that the thing that works for him is that they keep it simple. It's not too much of him, quick in and out, but he turns out like like less is more with him. And like, there's a reason we're talking about him right now is because they perfectly did that. To people wondering what tulip explosion means, we had a chemistry teacher in high school whose name is basically somewhat related to that, to that verbiage who was fresh out of college and just really didn't give a shit. And... He was a super cool guy. I really liked, I really liked Tool of Explosion. Um, the only other thing I really wanted to ask you guys and get your opinion of, because I kind of gave you this ahead of time and I wanted to make sure we hit it, was if you could recast anyone, if you could add anyone to this movie, who are, who are you throwing in this movie or are you just leaving it untouched? Mason's shaking his head like he, he's leaving it untouched. You, you know I'm, this is my worst category because... I That's why know. I gave it to you ahead of time. Yeah, well, I just don't know the actors well enough, but like, I really do feel like this one in particular, especially knowing Ashton Kutcher was up for the role uh, that Heath Ledger had. So, uh, and I think Julia Stiles was so good. And obviously Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays his his role really well. So I, I feel like for me, it's untouched. Max? Yeah, the only thing I could think of that I would want is I'm a sucker for like a really funny cameo. And that might just be just because I'm grinding through Marvel movies right now. But if you would have randomly just seen, I don't know, Tom Hanks, cause that's like, this is like peak Tom Hanks, right? Like late nineties, like t- a toy story kind of like he's what. I, I get where you're Sorry. going. Keep, keep going. Keep keep going. If Tom keep Hanks going. was in this movie, this low budget, like shitty teen comedy movie, like, 
You're telling me that wouldn't be groundbreaking in 19. I don't think you understand that. I don't think you appreciate the run that Tom Hanks is in when this movie comes out, but I'll, whatever. I'll, I'll allow it. I'm saying the fact that he's in this, the fact that he was in the run that he was in, like, I just think he's an unimpeachable Oscar run where everything he's, he, he wins back to back Oscars for Philadelphia, Forrest Gump. He's in Apollo 13. He's in the green mile. Does Castaway. He's toy story. He's doing, Tom That's Hanks is Tom Hanks is so fucking overqualified for this movie that I'm that insulted. I'm insulted by the fact that you would even throw him into a fifteen million dollar non Oscar movie in this unimpeachable run he's currently in. I'm just saying he could have lowered his standards for a second to be like a teacher in the background. Or... I'm glad you're not Tom Hanks' manager. Is all I have to say. I'm glad that he chose Castaway instead of doing ten things I hate about you. I'm a I'm a man. I'm an agent of the little guy. So any little instance I would have had to win some goodwill with some of the fans, I would have taken it. I stand Mace, by that. Mace, are we ready to drop our new segment? Or are we are we ready to start it? Well, we met, we what we should do is we didn't do any reviews. So oh shit, yeah. Well, let's do that quick, and so, then we'll so, go to we'll use that as our transition piece. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if you want to throw this at the front, but I have a there's a million good reviews on this movie. Just unlimited good reviews. Now, can I, I read one right away that I like? Yeah, yeah, no, go for it. Heath Ledger had like 90% of the screen time, meaning I cried 90% of the movie. <laughs> I, I related to that a lot. That's really good. Uh, I, have a, I have a ton, so we can kind of just bounce off or I'll keep reading, but uh, this one I really liked. Funny how Shakespeare has been real quiet since Joseph Gordon-Levitt said, I burn, I pine, I perish. <laughs> That's pretty good. I found, one, I found one that said, I'm not saying Heath Ledger was God, but I never saw him and God in the same room together. <laughs> That's good. Uh, like that that freaking breaks me. That's funny as fuck. The, the next one I had was <laughs> four stars from Jen that said, my bisexual ass didn't know whether I wanted to be Heath Ledger or Julia Stiles. <laughs> um, the next one I got was uh, C.O. Bond, five stars. Quite literally unfair how there were no guys like Patrick Verona at my high school who were paid to take me out by someone who wanted to go out with my sister, but she couldn't date unless I did. Thanks to our paranoid father, but the guy eventually realized we actually have a lot in common and fell in love with me. I don't have a sister, but I'm really bitter about this. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a little descriptive. Um, and then my favorite one was from Sophie, five stars. Any movie starting with one week by Bare Naked Ladies gets an automatic five stars. I'm sorry, I don't make the rules. That's pretty good. Which I couldn't agree with more. So, uh, yeah, those were some of the reviews that I really enjoyed. I, uh, I think just... And he, Heath Ledger is obviously going to dominate all the reviews just because of what he was and what he is to a lot of people. I think, you know, at some point in my life, if I ever have, I'm lucky enough to have kids that I'll show them the dark night at some point. And I remember my dad had got back from overseas and I saw the dark night with him in theaters and Heath Ledger was already passed. And uh, it's just remembering how crazy it was to see Heath Ledger in that role, the Joker and to not even recognize his voice or recognize his face. And just to basically be told, Hey, that's Heath Ledger. I'll always hold a special place in my heart for Heath Ledger. So RIP brother. Amen. I will say this is one of those teen movies that we love a lot. We like to review. I think it's one of those things that, I watched early in my childhood, maybe didn't get to fully understand, but enjoyed it when I was young, maybe just because I have older siblings and they enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it a lot now. And there's so many elements. I think the main thing for me is the writing. Every line was delivered perfectly. As we mentioned, there's a lot of improvisation that went on as well. And I think all the, all the actors played their characters really well. And they which can be a testament to the writing too because uh, they kind of have this direction of what the character should be and the the lines are are spot on i i was laughing out loud multiple times throughout the movie so 
I really enjoyed it. This is a movie I'm probably going to watch over and over again over the years. So, Max? Yeah, I'm just going to read my review. Um, again, we've plugged Letterbox. Give us a follow. Um, Max is Max is only using this pod to grow his letter shipped box or Letterbox. <laughs> that load of good it's been doing. Um, so I wrote 10 things I love about this movie in no particular order. Um, number one, it's an easy watch. Again, petitioning for more 90-minute movies. Two, the underrated performance of Kyle Cease as the undefeated bogey Lowenstein. Three, is there anything a 19-year-old Heath Ledger couldn't charm his way out of? Give him a marching band? Yeah, right. Game over. Four, the unspoken emotional complexity of Mr. Walter Strafford, who hurt you. Five, the music, that is all. Six, Mr. Morgan's one-liners, and I quote the, <laughs> when he says, you know, while you're crusading for better lunch meat or whatever it is you white girls complain about, ask them why they can't buy a book written by a black man. Seven, the insult cheese dick, which is hilarious. We never really talked about that. Eight, the physical humor. I'm a sucker for an errant golf ball to the head or an arrow to the butt. Uh, nine, the location, good on you, Pacific Northwest slash Stadium High School. And 10, I said, but mostly the way I don't hate this movie, not even close, not even a little, not even at all. That's a, that's a good callback to the intro. And that's, that's where we're going to end it. I, uh, as always, um, Max and Mason appreciate it. Mason and I are going to be recording uh, Ingor's Bastards podcast soon. Max, you're actually going to have to hop in on Land of the Lost with our boy Jake. So yes. you've been, you've been subbed in. I've been called so, up. Uh, we uh, got some content coming your way. Um, Mason still working on Cruel Tunes, getting that off the ground. Max repping his boy in university shirt. Go and roll it, Augie. You got any questions about Augustana University, the Harvard of the Midwest? See your boy at Max Boyum. Uh, did I miss anything, boys? No, I think you hit it all. Thanks for having us. It's always yeah. always a pleasure. Good to be back. Hey, I hate that I don't hate you guys. Love you guys. We'll do this again soon.